Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, where in a single moment you can recognize your brilliance and change your life. This is a transformational hour that covers an array of topics that demonstrate how individuals use their native talents, as shown in their name, to look at the ordinary in extraordinary ways. Albert Einstein once said that everybody's a genius. Why would one of the smartest people on the planet declare that everyone is a genius unless he knew that to be true? I'm your host. Sharon Lynn Wyatt, creator of Namology Science and author of Know the Name, Know the Person. And in each weekly show, you'll hear the fascinating ways other people discovered the genius in them and what they were able to accomplish because of it. At the end of each show, you'll hear clues on how you can recognize your own innate genius. All over the world, people have many, many diverse interests. And in that vein, people have asked about different occupations and areas of life that have highly interested them. People want to know how highly successful people have managed to achieve their genius mindset by utilizing the gifts that are seen in their name using nameology science. So how does someone express their creative talents and how does someone share those gifts with others in such a way that everyone benefits? Our expert tonight is Rick Gillis, who has developed his genius in the area of seeking jobs and getting hired. Career expert Rick Gillis has spent thousands of hours advising highly experienced professionals across the nation. The universal problem that he came to recognize among his clients was how very few were capable of expressing or willing to speak of their own commercial value and identify their own personal wow factor that decision makers require. Recognizing this is a cultural problem. Rick wrote his newest book, Promote, Your Work Does Not Speak for itself, you do. Promote is based on insight Rick has gained from coaching as well as his own corporate and personal experience. The concept is simple. Rick will show you how to professionally promote yourself and all that you do for your organization, and especially to those with whom you are professionally at the mercy of, management. Rick has authored five books 
on careers and employment and has been seen and heard on radio and TV across the U.S., Canada, the Caribbean, and Australia. Noted and quoted by the Wall Street Journal, Fortune Inc., Black Enterprise, Univision, Forbes, CIO, NPR, PBS, The Huffington Post, and Business Insider, to name just a few. Rick has spoken live from coast to coast, east, west, and gulf. Based in Houston, Texas, Rick is an Air Force veteran, a Forbes contributor, a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, and holds a Bachelor of Science Management degree from Park University. Rick's name indicates that he has learned how to write well, that he thinks quickly on his feet, and that he values honesty more than most. He includes others and wishes to be included. He has a bit of rebellious spirit and aims at being the leader in his field as leadership skills are natural to him. He has learned the fine value of flexibility and the importance of being a lifelong learner. Welcome to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You radio show, Rick. Sharon, you've already mailed me. We're done. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe what you just said. Thank you very much. Um, the one thing I would maybe hold exception to is that I think I'm still learning how to write. I practice and work at it as hard as I can, and I'm becoming better at it. But I don't know that I'd say I write well just yet. I need help. My editor does the good stuff. Oh, you are so modest. Yeah, it says that holds in your last name where I find that in your name. And so that means you're constantly learning from others. And so you'll probably always be learning. But it also says you do write well. And looking at your books, you do write well. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, you've had so many jobs, Rick, growing up with the family hardware store, serving in the Mm -hmm. U.S. Air Force, mixing sound for touring bands, selling cars, selling commercial real estate, having Internet and job boards, being a keynote speaker, being an author, a radio host, a TV host. Which job did you enjoy the most and which one was the worst and why? You know, I am standing right now, Sharon, inside my little, it's a very serious hobby music studio that I have in my house. I mean, I'm fully stocked, guitars, drums, bass, amplifiers, recording deck, console, microphones. I'm completely, uh, completely outfitted. And so honestly, I would have to say, although it was absolutely the least lucrative, was being on the road mixing sound for bands. And so I call this my serious hobby. It's not something I'm trying to make a living at, but I still work at it. And um, I think the other thing, though, has been how gratifying, and believe me, I never sought this out, becoming a public speaker and sharing information with people. And because I, I do have some insight, and it comes from 10 years of, call, of being in the internet business. I helped start the first job board in Houston. I spent 10 years calling on hiring managers of all types, from staffing companies to C, uh, CEOs to business owners to HR professionals. So I was on the outside looking in, and I want to share what I learned, and that's what I'm doing right now. So which was the worst job that you had? And oh, what selling did you cars. From have, okay, and so <laughs> the best pay, but the worst job, right? <laughs> you know, it was, let me tell you what's interesting, because um, I tell people it's the best job I ever hated. And I really mean that in the sense that I hated. I was in El Paso, Texas. That's where I'm from. And it was hot as heck. And I was out there working on the, on the pavement. And it was just, and I did really well. I never took number one, but I came in number two in my region. But I, I hated selling cars. On the other hand, looking back on that now, I know how much I learned because I learned how to overcome obstacles. I learned how to size up people pretty quick because you have to. Otherwise, you're wasting time on somebody who may or may not buy. 
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which is being heard on xzbn.net and knowthename.com. Our guest tonight is Rick Gillis, whose website is his name, R-I-C-K-G-I-L-L-I-S.com. Okay, Rick, we're almost at the really good stuff and when we had this commercial break. So what I'm really wanting to know is, from all the different jobs that you had, how did you discover that your gifts laid in this area of coaching and helping others get their jobs? Purely accidental. Purely accidental. I spent that time calling on these hiring managers, um, having been involved in the job board business for 10 years. And really what I was doing was selling resumes. But invariably what happened is people started calling me and asking me if I could help improve their resume so that when it was received by somebody electronically, you know, some that led to job search ministries calling on me. The Texas Employment Commission, as they were known at that time, asked me to come speak to their job seekers. And pretty soon, and I, you know, and, and I didn't have a problem sharing what I had and what I knew, because at that time, honestly, I was one of the very rare individuals in the region who knew how this job search internet, and more importantly, how you could monetize on the internet worked. So I had lots of people come out there were interested. They were, and a lot of it was pure curiosity. But you know, that whole job board thing lasted for ten years. And although there are still job boards out there, they don't have near the heft or the weight they did. And so I'm out of that space, but a lot of what I learned translates to what I can still share today. In, in fact, I call myself a digital dinosaur, and I think the dark ages of the Internet were pre-Google. Google changed everything with algorithms and stuff. Before that, there was a different way of doing it, and that, that very directly applies to the stuff I teach now, which is honestly old technology that's still very relevant today. So it's an easy, it's an easy model to share. And then I try to get the people that I tell this to, to share it beyond. I want to keep this sharing going. 
You know, I read that a person ought to tailor their resume to the job description using the exact same phrasing as in the job announcement in order to get through the computers that look at the resume before you get to a real person. Since you helped usher in the age of online job searching through the job board in Houston, is this a valid concern? Would you suggest doing this or it's a waste of time? No. Um, there, let me tell you what, that's a great question and it's a very big question. It's actually a yes, no question. Fundamentally, what you just said is no, you don't have time to tailor a resume to every position. You have to have what I have designed. I've actually designed my own resume format and it is designed to quickly be able to minutely modify, be modified and then submitted to several positions. But the fact is resumes are rapidly falling out of favor altogether. They're now an, an added document you, you attach to your online application. But what's interesting, uh, Sharon, that you just said, I, I actually, and I take claim for this, I have no problem saying so because I published it in my very first job book. I'm the guy that introduced the nation and the world to the idea of copy and pasting and hiding the job posting in your paper resume. And here's what I did. I taught people to copy the, the entire posting, paste it at the bottom of their resume, choose one from, or, or type in, overwrite the font size and put in the number one. You reduced it to the size of an underscore and then choose white from your color palette and you made the entire document disappear, the entire job posting disappear. When it went through the software, the, it, it matched the job posting 100% because that's what this is all about. It's all about the job, the resume that comes closest in terms of the keywords matching the job posting is the one that goes to the top of the pile. Well, if you matched it word for word verbatim, you went to the top of the pile. Well, that was only good for a couple of years because real quickly, now if you submit a resume through the system, it converts the font, the color of ink, and the point size to what the, the software dictates, which is going to be black. And if something pops out that was made invisible, you're found to be deceptive. So you can't do that anymore. That's not the way it's done. So I've actually come up with a transparent way of doing the same thing where you acquire the keywords from a job posting, insert them at the bottom of the page in a section I've added on my resume format called keywords. It's reduced to about an eight point font and it is designed to serve the same purpose. But when I teach people how to do this, I also tell them you've got to do this with your, within your LinkedIn profile and within the online application, not just your resume. Because really, realistically, resumes are now meant to be handed to somebody when you interview. Prior to that, everything is now electronic. Wow, applying for jobs has so changed over the years. And I'm always amazed that you can have your resume on so many different sites, you know, and, and then all of a sudden somebody will say, I saw your resume on such and such, and we're now interviewing for this position. Would you like to apply? Talk to us about how well, that's developed. Well, let me tell you what, uh, there's a big, actually we are, and, and I'm getting ready to, I don't know, I'm hoping to finish it before the end of the year. I'm getting ready to draft a new job search book. There's been enough has happened. I, I last updated my current job book in 2015, but there's been enough of a monumental shift again, which is why I keep writing these job books. It's not because I have so much to talk about. It's but because the, the dynamics of the market keep changing. The target keeps moving. And so um, now what happened in December of last year, 2016, 
Microsoft bought LinkedIn. They spent $26 billion on that transaction. So I'm going to, I'm going to put my foot out here or, or maybe even put my neck out and say that I think, and I do strongly feel this way, that LinkedIn will be the universal resume in the next three to five years. I mean universal, like potentially globally. For certain, it's going to be Canada, U.S., you know, Australia, the places that are really, and there's a lot of users of LinkedIn all over the world. But Microsoft did not spend $26 billion not to integrate it into all of their processes, all the Windows, uh, SharePoint, Outlook, all kinds of stuff's going to happen. So it's going to be more important that you have an exceptionally rich and robust um, LinkedIn profile and also that you know – well, and let, me, let me finish that thought because a lot of companies now will accept your LinkedIn link in lieu of an actual resume, in lieu of using the online application. So once again, those keywords need to already be almost in a permanent sense sprinkled throughout your LinkedIn profile so that when – and this is what I call – there's two ways of getting keywords. One is from the job posting. One is the generic terminology we all use on the job. If I was to sit down with a bunch of attorneys, they would know within about three and a half, four seconds that I'm an imposter. I can't speak the law, but I can speak about internet. I can speak about music. I can speak about a lot of things that are my specialty, like things that are your specialty. If I sat down with you and told you that I was an expert in the you know, naming and lettering, you'd know within three or four seconds, I was an absolute imposter, except for maybe what I read about your stuff. <laughs> But so the lingo of your industry and the terminology in the job posting, and after you've looked at several job postings, you'll find those same terms reoccurring, reappearing. They need to appear in your LinkedIn profile. That is such a great hint for everybody, especially as everything keeps changing. And that answers my next question, which I think is wonderful. So what's the basis of presenting oneself to management where you look great? but you don't sound like you're boastful or bragging because I know a lot of people who can talk about themselves and they're so obnoxious. You just can't wait to get away from them. So how do you do that without sounding like one of those? First of all, you have to gauge your audience. You have to know who your audience is because if you're going to come off like a big shot and the person you're speaking to is already far more expert than you, you're just going to come off stupid. But the main thing I'm about and what my promote book is about and, and Sharon, to be candid with you, and I know you'll appreciate this, every woman I've worked with in this space, in this field, including my own wife, will not negotiate salary. Women, as a rule, do not, as a rule, I'm not saying 100% by any stretch, but as a rule, women do not ask for the promotion and they don't ask for the raise. So I really want women to embrace this idea of their commercial value. I want you to be able to always talk about some point of value. Whenever you talk about a personal accomplishment, I want it to end with a net result, a net value statement. And let me give you one of mine. Ten year, uh, for 10 years, I was involved in commercial real estate uh, leasing and management. So here's, my, here's one of my personal accomplishments. And this would be something I'd be talking to a real estate professional. I would say um, I created a commercial lease document that resulted in about $26 million in savings to the company. Now, if you're in the real estate business and or, and or I'm interviewing with you for a real estate job, you didn't hear anything except $26 million. And that's what I want you to hear. Every accomplishment has to have a net value, a net result. So, and then somebody's going to say, wow, that's interesting. Tell me more. 
Well, that is the fundamental process behind my model of getting a resume that you wrote into somebody's hands because they're going to see these value statements. I actually, my resume format is called the accomplishments-based resume. Your LinkedIn profile should be an accomplishments-based profile, and everything you say ends with a net result. To tell me that you implemented $3 million worth of software, I don't care. You're unemployed, so maybe you didn't do such a good job. But if you say you, imp- you implemented $3 million worth of software, creating a 16% reduction in, in, in mistakes and in problems, in creating, creating efficiencies on, on the order of 28%, saving the company 6 or $7 million annually, now you've got my attention. And that is the art of the accomplishment, is being able to tell me the net value. And going back to women, women are not comfortable with this, so I recommend that ladies try floating this out to your boss over a cup of coffee at lunch, at a meeting, as you're passing in the hallway. Just say, hey, boss, I, you know, I'd like you to be aware that I recently, boom, boom, boom. Try something smallish. Not, never, this is not bragging. This is not boasting. This is informing. This is communicating your value. And more importantly, too, I want people who are 50 plus to really embrace this message because age discrimination is rampant in job search. Everybody knows it. And the only way to beat age discrimination in job search and on the job is to continuously, professionally, and consistently speak to the value you deliver to your organization. So... I want to put that idea that you just gave me into a field that I think it would be hard to do that. So I'd love to have you give us an example. Okay. Okay. For an example. Okay. Um, For an example, say you're a school teacher because many school teachers retire and then want a second career, something else. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if Mm -hmm. school teaching, you don't get to ask for a raise. It's how many years have you been working? How much education do you have? You find that box and that's what you get paid. It's okay. like military. Yeah, time and grade, right. service. Yeah, sure. Right. So we're going to get your answer right after the break, but I want to give you the whole question. So we give you a little okay. bit of think time. Okay. That is, if I'm a school teacher, and all I've ever done is teach school. How do I bridge going into the business world because I had a totally different product? Other than saying, when I taught my juniors and seniors, I had 100% of my kids pass that, that test so that they could graduate in the Texas schools. Okay. That's a result base, right? But what else could I say? Because other than that, I have no proof of anything other than their scores. And there's a lot of teachers that are, you know, they've done their so many years and now they're trying something else. So that's what we want to know. Okay. We need to take another break. Stay tuned to know the name, know the genius in you. This show is dedicated to job seekers and those who wish to improve how management considers them. After the break, we'll find out about some of the different ways that Rick Gillis has assisted people. Remember, his website is his name, www.rickgillis.com, and we'll be back.
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. You're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Rick Gillis, who can be reached via his website, rickgillis.com, and he's our career expert. Rick, before the break, we were asked about how does somebody in a job that seems very rote or non-business oriented because they do a product that's not available or clear, like teaching, how would they use result-oriented statements and able to do what you said to do, and able to get their resume to the top of the pile. Okay, you ready? Yes. <laughs> Let me tell you what. What this applies to, and you alluded to it as well, didn't you? Heck, you didn't allude. You were direct. This is similar to military, where you put in your time and grade, you get your service, you get your rank, and a lot of it is based on your time in the service, like schools. You get your pay increase based on, you get a master's degree, you get more money, that sort of thing. I would also go and throw at you that this is similar from my point of view because I've had to help a lot of people do this. I've helped a lot of what I call professional moms, stay-at-home moms, get back in the workforce. And here's, here's now number one, number one, very importantly, you need to get out there and apply for a job. And some of the stuff I'm going to talk to you about, you want to do it kind of tongue-in-cheek. And I've, especially the professional moms, and that's what I call them because, you know, a mom is worth a ton of money. She just doesn't get paid for it. But moms going back into the workforce have to kind of have a tongue-in-cheek, and they talk about being the CEO or the COO of the Peterson family, and she was a psychologist and, you know, cook and, you know, chaperone and all these things. We, we, we get all that. It's the same when we come to military, similarly. It's the same when we go to school teaching because, I, you know, as my son asked me a kind of a similar question um, Sharon, when he was coming home from the military, he served in Afghanistan. He spent 10 months walking up and down mountains. Seriously, that's about all he did. Yes, he fired a gun now and then. And so he asked me, I mean, he, I, we were talking about, I said, do you need some help with your resume? He said, what am I going to put on my resume? You know, that I was a, a designated marksman and I walked, you know, around. I said, heck no, Tori. I said, what you're going to talk about is leadership, responsibility, up to the challenge, able to take a lead, able to command, authority, you know, authority. And that's really where we go with the teacher thing. Because, first of all, what you said earlier, Sharon, is exactly right. Yes, you took 30 students, you took 40 students, whatever it was, annually, and moved them through to the next grade, which is a heck of an accomplishment. And you can actually express that in terms of the economic value derived from those successful students who went on to college and went on to create a job and a career and buy homes and buy cars and have kids. That's a heck of an economic impact as a teacher. My son in the military was the same thing. He was responsible, and we did put together a resume that spoke to his responsibility, his ability to take the lead, take charge, um, and he, he's done really well. He now works 
actually with a government agency, and he's doing crazy well. And the professional mom, I worked with a woman who we kind of did this, and we did this tongue-in-cheek. She, took, she was a Texas-certified um, uh, chemical engineer, certified by the EPA, and she took 12 years off to go home and have kids and raise a family. And she came back to me, and she asked for some help. And we went through the same process. What we did is we, first of all, reinforced – how good she had been previously in her EPA, Texas chemical engineering job. When she had left, she had been at the top of the game. Then we talked tongue-in-cheek about how she had successfully managed to herd and raise, and we kind of used that term, and we had fun with it. And I told her, I said, look, anywhere you go that you're interviewing with somebody that does not have a little chuckle, a little bit of a sense of humor about you're presenting it this way, I can tell you categorically right now, you don't want to work there. So go ahead and play it out. Maybe get a little bit in their face. They might appreciate that. But the fact is the responsibility level of you having my kid in your room for six, eight, ten hours a day and then leading them through and successfully seeing them through to the next grade and then eventually getting them graduated and preparing them for college and then a career, that's a big deal. So I don't think this is that hard. Okay, so in other words, you could do it if you were a bottle washer or something at a restaurant. Absolutely. It wouldn't matter and what I you have. <laughs> Let me tell you, I have a story that I tell regularly, and you really just – there you did it again, Sharon. You did that so well. You brought up a very important point I'd like to make. I had a payroll clerk come to me, and the guy couldn't find a job. This was not a payroll supervisor, not an administrator, and honestly, David was a very simple guy, a great guy, but he was a payroll clerk. And honestly, for like four or five jobs, he was a payroll clerk. Looking at his resume was like watching paint dry. It was so boring. But he, so he came, he came to my office, and, and he's sitting across from me at my desk, and he's going, I'm ready to beat him up. I'm not joking. I was getting so frustrated. I was ready to reach across my desk and box his ears in because I'm like, David, there's got to be something you have done in your career that you're proud of. And this guy was like 36. He wasn't, he wasn't a brand new puppy out of college. And so finally he kind of drops his shoulders and slumps down a little bit. And he goes, well, Rick, the first payroll I did for a giant energy company, I did 6,000 paychecks and I had zero returns. And I looked at him, and I wanted to reach across again and pop him off the top of the head because I said, what took so long to come up with that? That's a big deal. You don't mess with people's money. You don't mess with their hours. You don't mess with their taxes, withholding all that stuff. Plus, he knew the software. His first time, he did 6,000 paychecks, had, no, no, had zero errors. And I said, what took so long? And he just looked at me, and he goes, well, I was just doing what I was supposed to be doing. And, you know, that was prolific for me. That was a big deal moment, and that's why I tell that story. It's in the book. It's in both of my books, the job and the promote book, because it said the truth. Doing what you're doing and doing it consistently and doing it long-term and on a regular basis and doing it well is worth tooting your own horn about. I feel strongly about that. So you're promoting yourself, and, okay, in my own history – because I was married to someone in the military, I moved consistently. He always had a job where we arrived, but I never did. Right. And I had to right. go in and sell myself, okay? Right. And I was uh -huh. always of the attitude that I can do whatever you need done, <laughs> okay? Yes. Like, I, I yes. can do that. 
Okay, so what I have found, though, with all of those, because some of my accomplishments with kids speak for themselves when I was teaching. So what I found, though, was that the positive attitude I came across with was more inviting than my background. So talk to us about how attitude makes a difference. You know, attitude, it's, it, there's an A, B, C in here because the A is, I like me, I'm so in your face and I'm so gregarious that I have to really pull myself back. Then there's the B person who's just got that perfect little mellow flow with everything that we might have him slow down, we might have him boost it up a little bit. And then we have the other person, which usually is more of the problem, is a person who is really introverted or not comfortable speaking to their value that we got to pump them up a little bit. So I appreciate what you're saying. And there's no question that the military by virtue, and listen, I'm from El Paso. So that was Fort Bliss army, the second largest army base in the United States. And there were a whole lot of women that were married to military men who worked as cashiers and as the store clerks at the big department stores and all that stuff. Cause they knew they were going to be moving on. They really couldn't land a career. And so that was, that was, that's kind of a sad side effect of the whole military thing. I know my own son, when he was off in Afghanistan, his wife was alone in Seattle and she made friends there, but she had, they had no kids or family yet. And so she just, she had a full-time job. And as soon as he got back, she left. Woohoo! And she had a great job. So I'm going to tell you attitude has a lot to do with everything. But that said, let's also remember too, that we all gravitate, gravitate, birds of a feather, you know, flock together. People find their comfort zone, their, their right place, their right industry, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, fortunately here I am at my age, I finally found what I like and what I'm good at. I can tell you that at 35 and 40, I never would have ever thought of writing a book. I never would have ever thought of standing in front of an audience and speaking, not a chance in heck. I would not have done that. So, you know, and there's, there's, there's a little bit of a, a grace in here too, that, that I found my way or I've been directed. There's things that have just happened. I mean, I started working with these two guys that were launching this job board out of their home. My wife was in her first year of law school and I called her up one day and I said, Hey, you're gonna have to trust me on this. But I just took a job working with two guys out of their dining room. And she goes, okay, you know what you're doing. <laughs> and, and it worked, yeah, you know, she, yeah. And, and we did, we did. And you know what? It was interesting too, because before t- we were the first in town, seriously. And because we were the first, we had, I mean, seriously, we, it was unnatural. We had no competition for about 18 months. We were just printing money and I wasn't an owner, so I didn't get a big chunk of the change, but we were printing money. I mean, seriously. And, um, of course that's why three years later, or two years later, there were some 70,000 job boards around the country. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was a successful model. You know, it was a successful model and it's all the startups have kind of come out of that job boards were one of the first places you were able to monetize, um, uh, the internet. It was one of the very first. See, I would have never thought about that had you not just said that. You know, well, let me tell you. Work, I, go ahead. Yes. In your book, promote your work. You, your work does not speak for itself. You do in that book. Mm-hmm. You address the value of being able to promote yourself and state that this is a survival skill in today's world. So, mm-hmm. what do you mean by survival skill? In other words, if you don't know how to do this, you know, you're going to end up in the trash can. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. That's it. You, you just answered the question. Thank you. 
Let me tell you what I tell people. Seriously, Sharon, when I, when I start my presentation, um, and I, I, I'm, I'm staying with this right now. I, I could be changing it up. But the very first thing you see on my, on my PowerPoint in a big, big screen, and the bigger the better, um, I just recently spoke in Las Vegas, and I was out there at Bally's, and I got a chance to put it on a huge screen, and it was really wonderful. Um, I start out with, and I'm over 60, but I start out with a slide that says, if the idea of being over uh, 60 years old and not having achieved what you wanted to do bothers you, ellipse, dot, 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 the next slide says, then, this says, promote yourself. It's not an option. And I, then I go to a slide that ha all it says on the slide is 40 years. And the fact is, we have, and I do mean this seriously, we really truly have in our society today about 40 years to make our careers happen. Now, we're going to work longer. We're probably going to work 50 years. We might work 60 years. I'm on the, just on the other side of my 40 years in my career. But I'm going to tell you categorically, 40 years is the reason because of a little thing called age discrimination. And I already talked about this earlier, but I really, really mean it. Age discrimination is going to hit, and people are going to get kicked to the curb who were completely talented, skilled, credentialed, experienced. But somebody sees, for whatever reason, that they're going to get kicked. I, I think there's a lot of people that end up, especially men, because most of my clients tend to be 50-year-old men who never saw it coming. They've got the corner office. They think they got it made. They get complacent. They get lazy. They quit speaking about their value. And all of a sudden, they get a pink slip, and they never saw it coming. So my point to you is, and to everybody is you've got to continually be speaking to your value as long as, you're gonna as long as you intend to be working. Unless you're the CEO or a business owner, and, and assuming that you're a successful business owner, you're going to get hit by this age discrimination thing. I guarantee it. In the new book I'm writing, I'm actually going to talk okay, about on, this, and I'm calling it – okay. Okay. Because we need to take our last break. Stay tuned. Got it. Know the name, know the genius in you on xzbn.net and knowthename.com. After the break, we'll find out what Rick Gillis has in his name that has assisted him that you might have in your name as well. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 
1-800-800-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Rick Gillis, whose website is his name, R-I-C-K-G-I-L-L-I-S.com. He has taken his skills to a level where he's able to assist others in finding appropriate work, knowing how to write that resume and how to present yourself. As he says, your work does not speak for itself. You do. Okay, Rick, you were just about to talk about your latest book, when I had to cut you off because we were going to a commercial. So and I that's fine. I understand. <laughs> well, and what I, the last thing I wanted to finish, though, is one of the ideas I'm going to put in this new book is I have come up with, and I don't know if you've seen The Lion King, the, the show, the Broadway show, or the, oh, yes, or the animated movie. I love the costumes. Absolutely stunning. No question about it. But I am going to write a piece about the circle of life employment style. Because the circle of life is when you start hitting 50, 50 plus, there's going to be a 37-year-old who's going to be applying for the same job, or you're going to get kicked to the curb for a 37, 40-year-old who's got a little bit longer runway, has a little bit better knowledge of technology, and that's usually as a result of somebody not consistently speaking, letting the powers that be know of the value you continue to contribute. And so at a point when you're making 100000 plus a year, if you're not generating, you know, probably on the order of a million or more dollars a year in value, you're not going to stay there. You know, that's for the new entry level. If you're making 35000 a year and you're generating 35000 that's okay. We'll keep you because next year we expect to see that grow. But when you start hitting those senior levels, you've got to really deliver. You know, you have been so successful in so many different fields. How did you get so great at what you're doing versus others who have attempted the very same thing? What was the difference? You know, and, and I, I assume we're talking here about the writing and the, the job search support and the personal promotion thing. I honestly think, because I have thought about this, what, I'm, what I talk about is significantly different than everybody else that's just telling you to watch out, you're, don't, use, don't miss any typos. That's not beneficial. I think it's because I did not come from this field. I am not an HR professional. I've never been in staffing. I've thought about going into staffing because I've been so close to this. And a lot of my personal friends, honestly, are HR professionals because I spent so many years calling on them. But I was still on the outside looking in, and I would see things from a perspective that was different that sometimes I would alienate people and upset these people that are in the, the field because I can say, see what they're doing, and I can say that's categorically wrong. And so that's the only thing I can tell you. Um, I regularly speak in front of HR professionals who are seeking a new employment opportunity, and I'm telling them stuff they don't know. And it's because what they do is so um, – there's it's, it's so siloed. There is a compensation and benefits person. There's the recruiter. There's the generalist. There's the – you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so – I've stood on the outside looking in for all of this, and honestly, I do. Again, you said this earlier too, because I read a lot and I study a lot, and I try to stay involved in all the forums that I can, 
to watch what is new and leading edge, I can look at that stuff and go, that's a hit. That's going to win. I can look at other stuff and go, that's a bomb. That'll be gone in three months. Well, uh, that, you know, that is a gift in itself. I have found also applying for different jobs, people who look younger than their years, since it's not legal to ask how old somebody is, if you can look younger than your ears, your years, because I remember when I got hired and I was still, I was in my sixties and later on, like four months into the job, my boss looked at me and he says, well, you know, we've got this many more years. And I looked at him and I said, I don't think so. And he said, <laughs> And I said, well, how old are you? And I said, well, you've got that many years, but add 10 to your age. And that's how old I am. And he looked at me and he says, no, I figured you were a few years younger. So I think your energy, it's not necessarily looks, it's energy. That if you have a lot of energy as you go in, people sense that. And then they feel like you're younger than you are. And that helps that age discrimination thing. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. You know, okay, I want to know about your three-part accomplishment statement. It is exactly this. It is so simple. It's almost comical. If I was talking this, I would say I was responsible for blank that resulted in blank. I was responsible for creating a commercial lease document that resulted in $26 million saved. What I like to tell people and what I'm, how I'm using it to describe now is responsible. And if you were writing this down, you never say I, if you're writing it in a resume, you would say just a bullet point responsible for what that resulted in. Wow. And that wow piece is the one has to be the one that's going to get somebody to say, tell me more. And by the way, too, Sharon, when, when anybody ever writes a, a dollar number in a, in a resume, always use the zeros. In other words, don't put 1.2 in the word million, don't put 1.2 mm, put 1, 200, 000. We love to see zeros on a resume. Well, and it looks a lot more impressive as it jumps out it's at very you. impressive, you bet. It'll jump, it's like, a, it's like a, you know, it's like a great photograph. You know, that focal point will jump right off the page at you. I mean, Target and Macy's know how to do this. You should too. You know, in math class, I was a math major and I have my master's, okay? So we were I always know that, taught, right. <laughs> so we were always taught that you write out, you spell out any number less than 100 and you write out any number greater than 100. Would you say that's also important in a resume or just, you know, put digits for all of them? You know what? I have a little bit slightly different, and I'm, pre- I'm really pleased to hear you say that because I was not aware of exactly. I have always written out 20 and below. At 21, I'll start using the digits. Now, that's me, and that's kind of my customary thing, so that's what I've done in the book. Sometimes, however, it is more impactful to write in the number, you know, uh, whatever, 17, so I will write it, and it'll jump off a page a little differently than if it was, you know, S-E-V-E-N, et cetera. So, but that's interesting that right one through 100 and 101 on, you would use the numbers. Uh-huh. I, I always thought 20 was the kind of the break off there. Yeah. Well, who knows? And it could be that I'm ancient too. So that's, well, <laughs> you know, that it's changed yeah, through the years. <laughs> you and me, kiddo. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if, if you could change one thing about people's understanding or how they look at the world, what would that be? Wow. Wow. I certainly, certainly didn't expect that big a question. I'll tell you what, I'm going to go back to it. And this is also too, because I'm an older guy now. 
And but um, I'm going to go back, to, and I've already hit on this thing really hard twice tonight. But I would like people to understand that. Um, I mean, if you were standing here in my music room, and especially if you were 17 years old or 23 years old or 30 years old, you'd be blown away. This is a very, very cool room. But when I go out on the street, people don't have any idea. So I'm going to go back to that age thing. Let's appreciate age for what it is, and um, let's let's embrace it. And um, it's okay to get older. I was talking with a young person yesterday, and I really, really, really wanted to tell him. He was about probably 20, 21 years old. And I really wanted to tell him, dude, I'm you 40 years ago. You know, I was that kid 40 years ago. He was a little bit arrogant, a little bit snotty, very cool. He was a very cool kid. And I was not cool, but I tried really hard to be. But <laughs> uh, I, want, I really wanted to tell him, dude, you're looking at yourself 40 years from now. Take care of yourself. Advance it. Take advantage of the people who are trying to share good information with you. And then the one thing I'll always tell you, too, that I've always told, that I told my kids when they were little, and even now they'll say it back to me, I just start the first of the sentence and they finish it, and that is, if you think it's wrong, it is. That's what I always taught my kids, and both of them successfully stayed out of trouble growing up. Not to be the same as what their dad got into when I was their age, but growing up, my kids, if, if you think it's wrong, it is. See, and that's interesting because as you're saying that, I was thinking about what did I tell my kids all the time? I said, mm -hmm. only boring people get bored. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. I'm, so I get, I got, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to give you notice right now. I'm stealing that. Go right that's ahead. wonderful. You know, I hate that's it. That's wonderful. I go, Mom, I'm bored. And I yeah. look at him, I go, only boring people get bored. Come on, think get of bored. something. <laughs> exactly. Get creative. Get creative. Go do something. That's sweet. I love that. So what would you like for our audience to take away from this interview? Um, you know what? Based on what I'm doing, what I'm trying to do is don't be afraid to promote yourself. You know, like the subtitle of the book says, your work does not speak for itself. You do. I don't care if your boss works in your cubicle. I don't care if they're 16 feet away, 60 feet away, 600 miles away. Do not ever assume your boss knows what you do. And always make sure when you're floating these out, I, this is an important piece that I neglected to say earlier, talk not just to your immediate supervisor, but also her supervisor and then his supervisor. Because when your immediate supervisor leaves and if you haven't shared your accomplishments with those above, you may miss that promotion that you could have gotten because your boss knew all this stuff. And your, that knowledge is currency. It's as good as money in your pocket. So absolutely positively share it around. Once again, doing it appropriately and consistently. This is not bragging. It's not boasting. This is communicating and informing, and it's appropriate. And let me tell you what, too. Your boss takes credit for your wins. When I was in the commercial real estate business, I would say I, listen to the arrogance of that, I leased 10,000 square feet. Do you know how many people it took to make that deal happen? Probably 15 <laughs> or 20 people. But I would say I leased 10,000 feet. Well, your boss is doing the same thing. Hey, I just sold a $10 million deal. Oh, my God, you and the 30 people in your department. But, <laughs> so you've got to always be it, thinking Rick. like that. It's a, it's a true statement. And listen, that's not inappropriate. That's not inappropriate. I'm talking about me. I managed all these people. Woohoo! But you can do the same thing. You take credit for what you did and contributed. With that, we'll need to say goodbye. This was such a pleasure, Rick. Thank you so much for coming on the show. All right. Sharon, this was wonderful. Here. Thank you.
Be prepared and surprised and pleased when you get to experience Rick Gillis's work. His website again is www.rickgillis.com. Rick's name excels at thinking quickly on his feet with the CK in his name. If you have a CK in your name, then you too can think quickly on your feet. Do you know where your genius lies? I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, host of the radio show Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which can be heard every day on various hours at xzbn.net, radio, and knowthename.com. This is Sharon Lynn Wyeth, signing off. <laughs>